Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our midweek Bible study, Morning Glory. I am so happy that you're here, and I believe that we'll have a good time in the Holy Spirit today as we are celebrating around the world the the conclusion of the 10 days of all, but we're not quite concluded just yet. We are on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and I'm actually coming to you tonight. It's late Tuesday night, of course. Yom Kippur started at sunset, so it's late now at night. We'll be going into the early morning hours very soon, but I just wanted to come and share some nuggets with you that the Holy Spirit's giving me because we are moving into the biblical new year. Once this day is completed tomorrow, then really it's just a release of the 10 days of all from Rosh Hashanah and then the conclusion of Day of Atonement. Then we pretty much launch into the new biblical new year. Praise God. And this is the new year from God's perspective. So I just wanted to give you a few things to stir your faith and get you excited about what God is doing because I believe that God has an amazing blessings prepared for you to step into right now. Praise God. You're getting out of the gate fast. You're moving quickly towards what the Lord has for you, and it starts right up front. Praise the Lord. Well, let's jump into the Word of God. Uh, let's open up today in prayer. We're going to be in, uh, in the book. Let me jump over here real quick and catch up. We're going to be in the book of Psalms, number 32. I uh, just want to give you one verse out of that, Psalm 32, but let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we go into your word that once again your Holy Spirit would come and illuminate the Scriptures. Thank you, Father God, for allowing us to taste and enjoy the good things of the Canaan land. Woo! Thank you, Father. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the Holy Spirit is such a marvelous helper to carry us into our inheritance of what Jesus actually purchased for us at Calvary. Now, if you only read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will see that Christ died for our sins. And that's wonderful. But when you begin to read the epistles, you begin to see more fully what we would call the New Covenant. We thank God for the Old Covenant, which is what the Jewish people have. But as the church, as the people of God, we have what is known as the New Covenant, based upon the shed blood of Christ. And it's in the writings of the Apostle Paul, also Peter and John, to the churches during that age, during that time of the first century, that we receive amazing teaching, insight into what all Jesus accomplished for us at Calvary, and what would be in the covenant package. Woo! My goodness, and is it ever good. Well, today, because we are in Christ, we can enjoy every benefit He has accessed for us. We step into it by faith as we talk about these things today. May you receive it also into your life by the Spirit of faith. Praise God. So, Psalm 32, as we are now on the Day of Atonement, I want you to consider how much the Holy Spirit really wants to help you and lead you and guide you. And I thank God that, that the Lord has selected me to be a teacher, to be able to speak into your life and share the Word of God with you. And I'm sure there's probably some other teachers as well that God has in His arsenal of ministry to help you and move you forward in your life. And also, at the same time, I'm thankful that for many of you that in some ways I would be a key person that would speak into your life. You're, you're here on every broadcast. You're, 
you're anxious to hear the Word of God, you are a student of the Word of God, and for, for many of you out there, you would consider me a pastor, some of you would consider me a spiritual father, and I thank you for that. I believe it's an honor that only the Lord could bestow. Now, let me also say this, as much as I take great joy in bringing the Word of God to you, and as much as other ministers on the planet Earth also would enjoy ministering the Word of God, and even from those that would view me as a spiritual father, still, we as ministers have our limitations. But the Holy Spirit, praise God, He does not. He is the third member of the Trinity. He is the third member of the Godhead deity, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, the Son of the Father, and the Holy Spirit. Three in one. One God, but three distinct persons making up the Godhead. And I want, I want to convey today how much the Holy Spirit wants to help you. Because I can't always be in your life. I can't, I, I know you can take my messages and you can replay them day and night. But there could be times when you, you don't have access to an audio, uh, you know, download. There could be times maybe you can't get a hold of the internet. Maybe there's uh, alone times where it's just you and the Lord. But I want you to know that the Holy Spirit can minister to you and help you in so many ways. He really does want to be able to lift you up. And I would consider that one of the greatest signs of me ministering successfully to you is you coming to a place where you also begin to discern very clearly the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. If I can take you into that, I would consider that my ministry is being very impactful in your life. Praise God. Now, let's look at this in Psalm 32, verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. We balance that with other scriptures, such as there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors. We balance verse 8 with other scriptures where Jesus, being the head of the church, gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to the body, to the church, for the building up, for the equipping of God's people. And so the Lord gave them. He never took them away. So the church needs apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And if you think you can make it on your own, you can't. Because Jesus, in His wisdom, gave what is known as the fivefold ascension gifts to the church apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. So we do need them. So we want to, we want to, we want to divide the word properly. Now, let me also say this as much as we need ministry office gifts, good teaching, good preaching, and we need wise counsel, when God speaks to you, and when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, and it is in align with the Word, it is in harmony with the Word, and God speaks with you, then you have to learn to go with what God tells you to do. Um, one pastor was sharing that when he was an associate pastor, uh, he, of course, now he's a very famous pastor, but he used to be a, an associate pastor serving under another man of God. And so as an associate pastor, he realized that the Lord wanted him to conclude his time of serving and go to another city somewhere else, start a church on his own, and raise up 
uh, a new work. And he shared that with his senior pastor. And the pastor, the senior pastor said, you know, I just don't think that's God's will for you. I think you're just supposed to stay here and, you know, keep on serving and be, be the blessing that you are. I, I don't think you're supposed to do that. But this, this gentleman said that he knew it was the will of, of God. And so despite his pastor not agreeing, he went ahead and did what the Lord told him to do and became wildly successful. And he was successful because of mainly one thing. The Lord told him to do that. Now, in many cases, when a senior minister would suggest, I don't think that's a good idea, or maybe the timing's not right, oftentimes they are correct. But there can be other times when they are not correct. And later, later, once this man who was an associate pastor started his own ministry and it became large and greatly blessed by God, the, the senior pastor, uh, who was much older at that time, told him years later, he said, you know, I really thought you actually were supposed to start your own work, but honestly, I just needed you so much, I didn't want to let you go. <laughs> so <laughs> he counseled him out of his flesh instead of out of the spirit. So when you have heard from the Lord, you really do need to do what the Lord told you to do, as long as you're not trying to fabricate that or act spiritual when, you know, trying to act like God told you something when he really didn't tell you something, but you're just wishing he would tell you something and you just, you're going to go do something anyhow. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about those bona fide moments when you do receive divine insight and revelation, then you need to really go with that. Praise the Lord. And I believe in this biblical new year that we're crossing into right now, that the Lord wants to instruct you. Now notice the emphasis upon the word I, I will instruct you. Well, can a minister instruct? Yes. Can a prophet give a prophetic word and there's guidance in that and supernatural instruction? Yes. Pastor Stephen, can you instruct me through good counsel and teaching of the word? Yes. But you must also remember that the Holy Spirit's with you all the time. And there could be times when we can't get to you. I can't get to you. But the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you all the time, and you can develop a sensitivity to Him, a working relationship with Him, well, He can lead you in all situations of life. So notice the emphasis upon I, God saying He, he wants to do this. I will instruct you and teach you. Now, I, I have had, how can I say this nicely? I have had those who are not very experienced in ministry, who are wanting to move in the ministry. I have had those who are not very experienced in ministry uh, say things like, um, Pastor Stephen, I'm raising up my ministry, and I don't need any other ministers to tell me how to do it. I've had people say things like that, and uh, that's a wrong direction to go. You're going to need, if God has called you to ministry, you're going to need all the help you can get, and you're going to want good relationships. You're going to want a spiritual father. You're going to want a man of God in your life, or a woman of God. You know, if God gives you a woman of God into your life, that would, whoever it is, but you're going to want somebody that can get a hold of God and that knows the Lord preferably better than you do, and that, that has that, that grace upon your life where you would love to have them in your corner. And so what I'm trying to say is that I've, I've seen young ministers say, I, I, don't, I don't need all that, I can just do it on my own. They find out real quick they do need that. You do need those relationships. But there is also that common denominator, bottom line, however, 
when you have heard from God, then you need to do what the Lord told you to do. But you need to really make sure you've heard from him. But let's also not forget, the Lord does want to help you. He does want to instruct. He does want to lead and guide. And he can do it better than any person ever could. Because even if you, give a, even if you get a great word from a great prophet, and I've given some really accurate, really good words to people, they've told me, hey, it, it all came to pass. It, it was a life-changing prophecy that you gave. And I've also had some really good words spoken over in my life, and they've come to pass too. And they were really very pivotal at that point in my life. But still, you, you still had the daily, the daily grind. You, you, and I'm not saying life's a grind. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to say you still have normal life when you don't have firework moments. And it's times like that where the Holy Spirit will always be with you. And He's working 24-7 all the time. And what is, what is he wanting to do? He's wanting to do this. He's wanting to instruct and to instruct you and teach you. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Wow. Wow. It's amazing. Now, yes, God can instruct and guide and teach through a good book that he puts into your hands. And uh, because in some ways, why try to reinvent the wheel? Just, you know, find somebody who's a specialist in that area in the body of Christ and go, go read their materials or listen to their sermons and they can unwrap that for you. And many times that's how the Holy Spirit will teach and lead and guide. But there's other times when you have maybe certain experiences with the Lord or certain, uh, certain things that maybe, you know, Lord, I'd like a little more insight into that. And I'd really maybe don't know anybody to call. Lord, can you help me with that? Oh, he can help you with that. And he can also help you with all the other decisions of life of, you know, what color carpet you should put into your house or should it be carpet or all, or should you just go with tile? Okay. You don't need to be calling a minister for that. That's between you and the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So be sensitive to that. Uh, verse 9 says, Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. So, you know, don't be like a brute beast. Be, be a person that takes time to hang out with the Lord where you get to know the Lord. Keep this in mind. It's possible to have a lot of hidden knowledge about God but not really know him very well as a person. Um, you could study about maybe like a living U.S. president and, you know, read all kinds of books about them and watch their speeches and do all that stuff, but, and maybe know, have all kinds of knowledge of where they were born, when they were born, how long they've been married, and where did they go to college, or how their training go, and all of that. But maybe you still just don't know them as a person. So knowing them as a person is totally different. But that's how we want to be with the Lord. We really want to know the Lord. There is a place for study. There's a place for academia. But my friends, if you really want to know the Lord, just draw near to Him, spend time with Him, meditate in His Word, and He'll share some of the most amazing things with you. I think what you'll begin to find out when you do that is God is more good than you ever thought He could be. He is the kindest, nicest person you would ever you would ever meet. He is absolutely good. Everything about the Lord is good. And he's wanting to reveal his goodness to you and help bring you into it. Woo, praise God. Speaking about being brought into it, that would also include coming into maybe what we could call the promised land. Remember, 
the promised land is not heaven. When I grew up in church, we sang out of the traditional hymnals called songbooks, you know, about three or four hundred songs. And uh, a lot of the songs that were written were written by very godly men and women. But they were written from a perspective of a lot of negativity. Uh, uh, I would almost call it like a, a defeatism type theology, where it was a theology of life is hard, you're going to get beat up by the devil, you're going to have struggle, and you're going to have defeat, uh, but one day it'll, you'll die, and it'll all be over with, and then you're going to go to heaven, then you're going to go to the promised land. Well, um, at least I would say this, at least they were determined to make it. <laughs> Praise God. They wrote the songs, and I did not agree with that theology, and I still don't today, because it's, it's unbiblical. But at least they were determined to serve the Lord, regardless of what happened, sin, uh, you know, sickness, disease, or whatever. They were, were going to hang with the Lord and get through it and reach heaven, and they did. But my friends, in the Lord Jesus, there's victory. Your faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And when you apply the faith muscle of God, you begin to realize that the enemy is defeated. Jesus did strip him and dethrone him by his resurrection and his ascension. And Jesus has the keys of death and hell. And Satan is a defeated foe, and he has to be kept in that place. And so you operate from the from the realm of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, where we are now seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, and He has delegated His authority to us. And we go into the promised land, the Canaan land, and the Canaan land is here in this lifetime, and you possess it by faith. Well, Pastor Stephen, if I remember reading my Bible correctly, there in the Canaan land, there's a bunch of giants, the Anakim and the Nephilim and all of these giants. Yes, yes, and the giants were driven out, they were killed, and they were overthrown. Praise the Lord. Now, it, it took them a while to do that, and actually it took a little, a little bit longer than what it needed to be, but eventually they were all killed off, and the land was possessed. Not, not all of it, but a lot of it was. And some of the tribes, they never, they never took everything God had for them, just like some Christians. They never possessed in their lifetime all that God would desire for them to step into. But the bottom line as a child of God is at least you're saved, you're washed with the blood of Jesus, and your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and you're on your way to heaven. So, my friends, during this lifetime, let us go forward into all that God has assigned for us to do. Praise the Lord. We want to bring glory to the Lord, and we want to we want to avail ourselves to all that Jesus has made available for us, because He made it available for us. Let's go for it. Let's enjoy it. Let's take it. Let's receive it. Praise the Lord. And we see some amazing revelations and insights regarding this in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8. I would like to read today from this book. Remember, the Holy Spirit wants to lead you and guide you. He'll lead you and guide you into a deeper relationship with the Father, with the Lord Jesus. You can also have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, communion with the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. So, there's a lot, there's a lot for us to discover and enjoy. And the Lord is really, He's really putting it on thick for His people. He's really beginning to bless, hallelujah, because we're getting more and more revelation. And we're walking in the light of His Word. Some of the things that we enjoy today, please don't take it for granted. 
because you could go back you could go back 70 years in some of the things that we take today for granted such as a blanket statement God is good you you wouldn't hear things like that in the early 1900s in the church you just wouldn't hear it uh, because there was an attitude that uh, although it says many times in scriptures that, that God is good there was an attitude that well you know well if God is good you know we sure are having a hard time down here and uh, you know and you know there's an attitude like that almost like God was mean vengeful you know ready to hit you over the head with a hammer if you did something wrong or, or stuff like that but a lot of that wrong theology has been corrected because the light of God's word has been opened up and we have much greater understanding I, I would have to say one of the great things that has blessed the body of Christ globally would be what is known as the word of faith teaching and God has used the word of faith teaching to go all over the world and and trust me I I remember when I first went to Uganda uh, back in the 1990s way out in a remote village and crawled into a little bitty hut with the grass roof and there in the corner of that little hut with no electricity sitting there was a little booklet by Charles Caps talking about the power of the tongue <laughs> and I tell you the which was you know part of the word of faith message you know it, you know Kenneth Hagin and Charles Caps and Kenneth Copeland and all these wonderful men of God and that I'm telling you that message went literally all over the world and it began to allow the body of Christ to see that we don't have to live in sickness we don't have to live in poverty that we can live and walk in in the blessing of God well all of that had been there for us the whole time but for so many in the body of Christ it was veiled but as that began to break forth that teaching began to break forth uh, it just brought so many people in the freedom and of course it's still being taught today praise the Lord so don't don't take for granted many of the great liberties and the great truths that we enjoy today because many of our uh, forefathers in the church they didn't have the revelation that we so freely enjoy today you know back back in the turn of the century of the 19th going from the 1800s into the 1900s the mentality especially among missionaries the mentality was this God will only supply your needs and even then there are a lot of missionaries where even their needs were not being supplied there there were missionaries that literally starved to death out on the field but for those that would be considered mature rock solid knew the word like the back of their hand really well type missionaries ministering around the world they understood that God kept covenant and that God would always provide for them but they did not have revelation of overflow the ones that were really on the cutting edge that had the strongest walks with the Lord they would they would make it through thick and thin but they never really knew what overflow was because that was something that really that revelation that knowledge was just not known at that time but yet it was in the word of God the entire time so they knew God from a perspective that God will meet your needs even if you know I, I was reading actually recently of a of a certain minister uh, from England ministering in Egypt when world 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 one broke out right around the year 1914 and he said all supply uh, talking about financial supply from donors and so forth and from churches in England was cut off and that money could not get into Egypt 
And he said the Lord taught him very, very simply that uh, the Lord is not limited to uh, just English funds, that God could bring it from anywhere. And he did. He, he, this minister said that God brought it to him from uh, South Africa, from Asia, from all of these unusual places. Money would still come in. And he always was able to just keep moving forward. But back in those days, they did not understand what we would know today, which is that God can give you the overflow and scriptures like, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. That stuff was never preached back then. It was just, God will meet your needs, that's it, and it's wrong to ask or expect anything more. That was a mentality back then. It, it wasn't so much a poverty mentality as it was a scarcity mentality, or a just get by mentality. But you know what? When you're in the overflow you could really do some things to be a blessing for others. When you're in the overflow and you're praying and the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart to be a blessing to somebody, I tell you what, it's a real joy. I, you know what? I'm thankful when people give to me, but I get excited when I'm giving. Woo, praise the Lord. Yes, I, I, I'm very blessed when somebody says, Pastor Stephen, I want to be a blessing to you. But let me say this, I, I get a lot more excited when I, when I can be a blessing. Why? It's, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Woo, praise the Lord. I get excited about giving. Praise God. And so the Lord wants us to experience the fullness of His provision that Jesus purchased for us at Calvary. And I want you to understand that includes the overflow, that includes more than enough, and that includes the ability to be a blessing. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 1, every commandment which I command you today you must be careful to observe, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness, and that He did it to do a couple of things, to humble you, number one, and test you, number two, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. And I, I still believe there is a divine process where God does that. I, I am fully convinced that there are some Christians that if God blessed them real strong, let's say with finances, they would just completely fall apart. They, they have not been proven. They have not been tested. They have not been humbled. And so they would probably get lifted up in pride. They would probably begin to drift away from the Lord. They would probably misappropriate money, misspend money, uh, be wrongly moved by, you know, manipulative uh, giving tactics and all of this stuff. They, you know, it's just uh, they, they wouldn't handle it properly. They, they, they think they would, but they wouldn't. So there is a divine cleansing process, stabilizing process that God takes His people through to prepare them to stand in places of blessing so they can actually stand to be blessed and not fall apart when they get blessed. And that's what He was doing with this people, to humble them, to test them, to know what was in their heart, whether they would keep His commandments or not. So He humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that He might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. I think we really need to continue to get that into our spirit, that hearing the fresh word from God 
And walking in the fresh manna from heaven is not optional. You have to have it or else your spirit can't live. And if you get all caught up in all kinds of recreation, if you, if you get all caught up in the blessing, you'll drift away from the blesser. And you'll start to disconnect from the anointing. You'll start to disconnect from the vine. And then your life becomes, although you may still carry on the motion, it doesn't have the life, it doesn't have the life of God in it. So we need to stay close to the Lord and we need to be constantly pulling on the hem of the garment of the Lord, saying, Lord, I need my next meal. Lord, what is your word to me? Lord, I can't, I cannot live on anything that's out there in the world. I have to have your word. That's what feeds my spirit. Lord, I need another fresh rainbow. I need another fresh revelation, a rainbow word from heaven. And God will give it to you when you're a hungry person seeking for food. Verse four is an amazing verse. Your garments did not wear out on you. Okay. So that's supernatural. 40 years in the wilderness, walking over sand, walking over rocks, jagged rocks, walking all over the place, and their shoes never wore out. Absolutely incredible. That's just amazing to me. That is a miracle. The clothes also that they wore never wore out. Isn't that amazing? And, you know, it's not like there's a washer and dryer or, you know, let's, you know Moses, uh, the clouds stopped moving. Uh, there's a laundromat right, right there. Let's go out, all wash our clothes. No, you don't have to do any of that. And God just kept the clothes just like that you had just bought them the day before. Forty years after, the clothes are in perfect condition. The shoes are in perfect condition. And watch this. Nor did your foot swell these 40 years. No swelling of the feet, walking out in a hot desert. And you know, that's just normal for your foot to expand and contract, hot, cold, hot, cold, and stuff like that. But it didn't happen to them. Nor did your foot swell these 40 years. I mean, nobody walking through the wilderness had to say, hey, I need to break. My feet are swelling. I need to go sit over here on this rock for a while. I mean, that didn't happen to anybody. And they're, you know, they said there could have been 3 million Jews going through the wilderness. I mean, it's just absolutely astounding some of the miracles. Now, here's the flip side of that. You were supernaturally fed, but you're, you're just eating manna over and over again. You know, I was talking with uh, a dear precious ministry partner, an online church member, uh, just the other day. And we just briefly talked about the magnitude of this miracle. Stop and think about it. If you're eating manna, which is nice, you know, like a little honey wafer, and you eat that for 40 years, what would it be like when you come into the Canaan land and suddenly you see wheat? Uh, and, and you're thinking, well, hey, let's take that wheat and, you know, let's, let's separate it from the chaff. Let's, let's crush it and let's make some flour. Hey, somebody bake a pizza or let's get some, uh, you know, let, let's get uh, the, some fresh bread Somebody get some butter and garlic. Let's get some uh, toasted garlic bread going here. I mean, can you imagine after 40 years with nothing but manna, suddenly you come into the promised land and there's wheat. Oh, wait a minute. There's grapes. Wow. And you haven't had grapes. You haven't had fruit for 40 years. What must that have been like? What must it have been like for the young people born in the wilderness, raised in the desert, and they go into the promised land, and suddenly they see a pomegranate, and somebody, you know, squeezes them some fresh pomegranate juice, which is so famous today in Israel, in the old city of Jerusalem, whether it's fresh OJ or 
fresh pomegranate juice. Wow, what must have that had been like to drink a fresh glass of freshly squeezed pomegranate juice? And you haven't had that in 40 years. I mean, this is new level stuff. Are you tired of going around in circles, living in limitations where you never get into the overflow, knowing it's possible, knowing that it's out there, but you've never really tasted the good of the land? My friends, you're about to get some grapes put in your mouth. Woo, glory to God. Oh, as good as the manna was, when they came into the promised land, when they crossed that Jordan, the manna ceased, okay? And, you know, there's a time where, hey, it's time to get some new clothes, and it's time to eat some new things, and let's try some spicy food. Let's, let's do something different. You're going to have all kinds of options, okay? Just stay close to the Lord. He's the one that's blessing you. He's the one that's increasing you. See, some of you, you've also been limited in the way you've, you've never been able to travel. You've had no mobility. You haven't gotten out of your state. You haven't gotten out of, out of the country, but you would like to. Where God's going to make that possible. God's going to make it possible. It's, it's just expansion. God's blessing brings expansion in all kinds of areas where you have liberty, where you have freedom in the Lord. Okay, in the Lord. So stay close to the Lord. But I tell you what, it is amazing what God can do. The supernatural sustaining you, but there's also, after the humbling, the testing, the proving, there's also the lifting up. Praise God. You need to be expecting that as you're now into this new year of 5780 on the Jewish calendar. Verse 5 You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in His ways and to fear Him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey. So all of these wonderful things that uh, some of the young people have never had because they were born in the wilderness. All of these amazing things that uh, some of these others they haven't had in a long, long time, including Joshua and Caleb. They're probably thinking, yeah, I'm ready for some figs. And, uh, you know, we have, a, we have a very large fig tree growing just right outside uh, of the church building here on the ministry property. Uh, we actually thought it was dead last winter. But, wow, did that thing ever explode in the, uh, in the springtime and this summer? It has just grown incredible. So there's fresh figs on, on the tree right now. So uh, they were going to get, be getting the figs, the pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. Okay, that's all wonderful good stuff, especially when you haven't had it in a long time because there were no grocery stores or supermarkets out in the wilderness. So this is all like a reintroduction of all the nice things that God wants to bring you into. Praise the Lord. And the Lord wants to do the same thing for you. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which He has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments, His judgments, and His statutes which I command you today. Now look at verse 12. Lest when you have eaten and are full, and have built beautiful houses, and dwell in them. Wow. Some people today in, in, the new, in the church, some Christian believers in the New Testament church, from the way they talk with their negativity about God's blessing, from their 
uh, negativity and such a big turnoff towards prosperity, you would almost think that when you read the Old Testament, like when you're reading stuff like this, you would almost think from the way they talk that the Old Covenant is better than the New. But look what it says, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. I mean, God, God wants you to have a, built, a beautiful house. My friends, that's in the Bible. And somebody says, well, that's the Old Covenant. Well, are, are you saying the Old Covenant's better than the New? I, I mean, that, that's what some critics today, some, uh, you know, anti-prosperity people would seem to imply that God th- th- doesn't want you to have a beautiful home or anything like that. It's, like, it's almost like they're saying, whew, you know, when I read the Old Covenant, uh, according to them, to me, it would look like the Old's better than the New. But my friends, we know that's not true. All of these things are in the New, praise the Lord. But, you know, but the main thing is that we have forgiveness of sins. We have eternal life. Mm, you know, this is this is Yom Kippur. This is the Day of Atonement. Jews all over the world, all over the world, keeping uh, the Day of Atonement, fasting all day long. But they all have a major problem. There's no more temple, and there's no more animal sacrifices. And it tells you in the Book of Leviticus that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. There's no taking away of sins without the shedding of blood. And if you ask a Jewish person today, um, you know, hey. What do you do with your sin problem since there's no animal sacrifices anymore and the, you know, the sins cannot be atoned for or covered for? What, what do you do? I mean, how, how do you, how do you kind of like uh, make, make a way out of that? Well, they, they basically say, we, we don't. And, you know, and some, some of the rabbis today, they do a ceremonial thing of maybe getting a chicken or a small bird and, and uh, sacrificing it and putting some of the blood on their head. But that's, that's not in the Bible. That's just something they're adding on to maybe try to appease their conscience. But um, without, the, without the shedding of blood, and of course, on the Day of Atonement, when the high priest went into the most holy place, he's taking the blood, the blood of a bull. And so there, today there is no temple. There is no shedding of the, uh, uh, of the blood of a bull or anything like that. So the Jews have a real problem if they're trying to gain heaven through the works of the law because it cannot be done. Oh, there's a good option. There's a, there's a, real, there's a better option. Receive Christ as your eternal high priest who went into the holiest of holies once and for all, shedding his own blood, putting his own blood on the mercy seat. So that we can be brought back to God and our sins can be paid for. Oh my goodness, what a work Christ has done. Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And if you receive Him as Lord and Savior, you're good to go. Hallelujah. By the way, this covenant is based on faith, not on works. So if you want to receive eternal life, you receive it as a gift given by God's grace, you receive it by faith, and you take it. And it's not by works, it's by grace through faith. Praise God. It is a much better covenant. But my friends, all of these things in the old, all of this beautiful provision, even overflow, it's all incorporated into the new. God wants you to experience it. Uh, uh, It talks about verse 12, when you have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. Now, as I'm reading these verses, there's something in here for you that, that quickens your spirit, that highlights your faith. Take a hold of it. Believe God to do it for you now that you're in this new biblical year. And when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied. I mean, this is incredible. This is incredible from some 
from some of the criticism today about God's plan for your abundance, from some of the criticism against that, you would think that people have never read the Bible before. But my friends, just stay in the Word of God. Stay in the Word of God and understand that God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to have a close walk with Him. God wants you to be conscious of the lost and your heart to reach them. As long as you keep serving the Lord, God's going to bless you. God's going to bless you in the most amazing and incredible ways, and that certainly would include your finances. Praise God. So, and when you have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, I mean, God wants to multiply it. But yet some of you don't even have it. But God not only wants you to have it, He actually wants to multiply it. That's how good He is. And all that you have, all that you have, not just your gold and silver, all that you have is multiplied. Not just added to, not just enough to get by, but is multiplied. Okay? Verse 17, then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Well, we're not to do that. We're not to say that we've done this. This is by our own strength. No, this is by God's blessing. This is by God's grace. This is by God's prosperity plan. This is by us walking with the Lord and the goodness of the Lord manifesting in our lives. And we thank God for it. Praise God. Verse 18, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which you swore to your fathers as it is this day. Well, Pastor Stephen, wealth is bad. Well, let me ask you a question. If, if wealth is bad, then why would God give you the power to get it? If heroin and cocaine are bad, would God give you the power and the get, would God give you power or ability to get, you know, all the heroin and cocaine? No, he wouldn't do anything like that. Why? It's, it's deadly. It would, it, it will kill you. So God has given you the power to get something that's holy and good. But Pastor Stephen, money, money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. That is one of the most misquoted scriptures in the Bible from 1 uh, Timothy chapter 6. Money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money that leads to many forms of evil. All types of things that are wrong branch out of that core problem of loving money. And even Jesus, when he dealt with the rich young ruler, he expanded upon that teaching about riches. And he said how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God or, or enter into God's way of doing things, yielding to the spirit, following the, you know, the leading of the spirit, following the scriptures. A lot of people make compromises on that uh, because they're, they're willing to do things to make money. People take jobs that they know morally it's not good to work that job, but they're going to take it anyhow because maybe it pays really well. Maybe the job uh, has an element of it where it's doing something that is promoting something that would be immoral, unethical, maybe not illegal, but nevertheless something that as a Christian you certainly shouldn't be doing. Maybe it's, um, well, th- there could be a million examples, but it's, it's just maybe it's selling something or merchandising something that as a Christian you, you know, hey, that's, that's not good. But yet I've seen Christians work for some of the most ungodly companies. I, I'm not talking companies that are neutral. I'm talking companies that are just raw. What they're promoting and the product that they sell, it, it either kills people or it helps quickly speed people that are lost on their way to hell. And yet I've seen Christians go work for companies like that. Why? 
Why? They override their own conscience and they override principles of God's Word. They just do it because of, lo- of, of love of money. But my friends, if you really start walking close with the Lord and you understand the strength of the covenant, you realize you don't, you don't have to cheat. You don't have to be unethical. You don't have to violate your conscience to be blessed. As a matter of fact, when you keep God's Word and you walk in biblical principles, you start rising to the top and you're kept on a rock-solid foundation the entire time. Wow. And you can go to sleep with a good conscience. Praise God. Hallelujah. I've, I've seen all kinds of Christians work in the tobacco industry. I'll just go ahead and say it because I live in, I live in North Carolina because here in North Carolina, our state, and our northern neighbor, Virginia, were probably two of the biggest tobacco producers in the entire world. Literally, literally sending people into lung cancer. Literally helping to shorten the lifespan of people in the most painful and miserable way possible. Wow. But yet Christians, by the boatloads, work for the tobacco companies. And, and they'll say things like this, well, well, Pastor Stephen, what am I supposed to do? There's no other jobs in my community. It's the only good paying job. Oh, ye of little faith. Wow. Well, you know, sometimes if you really want to get on with God, now I'm not just talking about making the heaven. I'm not saying you won't make the heaven if you compromise in these areas and you do stuff like that. <laughs> I, I will say this: you're going to be you're going to be embarrassed though on the day of your judgment. It will be brought up. It will be brought up. But I would say this to those that really want to have a clean conscience before God and before man: there is a point in your life where you have certain principles. And you must be willing to never violate them for anything. And if you will hold to those biblical ethics and principles, you will see that God will always have a ram in the thicket for you. Okay? Maybe not for the other person who has no faith, and it just will take the job. And, well, I I know it's wrong, Pastor Stephen, selling this stuff, and I I hate to be seen doing it, but i got to pay the bills. Well... Oh, it's sad. It, it really is. It's at the bottom level of baby Christianity. Uh, literally, where if you could see yourself in the spirit, if you're doing that, you have a you have to actually be kept in diapers, just about spiritually. You would see yourself wearing a diaper. But for those that want to get close to this mighty God and experience the power of the covenant, then don't ever do anything that violates your conviction or your conscience. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And, and there are even there are even non-Christians who have those type of ethics and you'll see that if you hold to certain things you'll be blessed. Sandy Koufax, the 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 pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers was a Jew and on the World Series on the day that he was scheduled to pitch that World Series day fell on Yom Kippur Day of Atonement, and he said, I will not pitch on that day. And they were like, ah, you know, it's just, you know, it's, you know, don't worry about it, it's the World Series. He's like, no, I'm not going, I'm not going to do it, okay? So he go, and he held to his principles, okay, because he was a Jewish man. And I'm not saying he was an Orthodox Jew, because he wasn't. I'm not saying he was a practicing Jew, because he wasn't. But still, 
just as a Jew, he knew this is our most holy day of the year. This is a day that God honors, and I want to do this right because I believe in the blessing of God. And he refused to pitch on that day, and he held to it. And he goes down in history as one of the greatest pitchers of all time, blessed by the Lord, praised by God. Hallelujah. Now, much less as Christians, how should we hold to biblical standards and say, well, if that door closes because I refuse to compromise, it means God's got something better somewhere else. And if you'll just hold to the Lord, hold to the Word, you'll find out there is a ram in the thicket He'll bring for you, just like He did for Abraham. Mm-mm. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Pastor Stephen, you mentioned that on Yom Kippur, sometimes the Holy Spirit, not sometimes, but, uh, you know, He gives prophetic imagery. will give things to reveal the year to come, maybe colors or numbers. Yes, how about a number? Would you like a number that is, could be a prophetic number for you for this new year? Yes, Pastor Stephen, I would. Okay, here it is. 818. The Lord showed that to me, okay? That's Deuteronomy 8, 18. You're going to see 8, 1, 8. You're going to see it different places throughout this coming year. What does it mean? It means the power to get wealth. Not the power to be arrogant or to be haughty once you get, get a little prosperity. No, but to stay humble. Because you've been, you've, you've been through that before. You've, you've been humbled. You know what it is to go through the wilderness. You know what it is to go long stretches of not going shopping, not getting the new wardrobe, of not being able to maybe eat like you'd like and drink the pomegranate juice. You know what it's like to, to not have all of that, but yet you've been through all of that. So there's a time of lifting up of strong, heavy promotion, okay? But you just, you stay close to the Lord. That's what happened with the Israelites. They really began to fall away. Uh, when you read about the, the, the kings of Israel, particularly, and the people that followed the kings, uh, usually they would fall away during times of prosperity. It was very, very sad. And then they'd get under oppression uh, because for the, the Lord would correct them by allowing a heathen nation to begin to rule over them. And then they wouldn't like that. They'd start to repent, cry out to God, and God would deliver them again, begin to restore them back up, begin to bless them. And then they would fall in love with the blessings and fall out of the love of the blesser. And the cycle would just repeat over and over again. But my friends, there is a place where you are established in the Lord and the Lord does strengthen you, and you don't turn to the left or to the right, you just stay straight. Because I really believe, believe there's a place also where you really, God takes the blinders off, and you can look at the world, and you just say, hey, it's just not all that big of a deal, okay? Um, uh, uh, even, even all the nice stuff, we thank God for it. It is a blessing of the Lord, and it is nice, and we do appreciate it. But at the same time, you know, um, it's still just planet Earth, and uh, until we get new glorified bodies, and until we, are, we go to be with the Lord, and things are set right by the Lord, um, it's just, it can only have, it can only be so high. So, we, let's stay close to the Lord. That's where all the joy, all the happiness is really at. And let's live for the Lord, and take as many people to heaven with us as we can. Praise God. I'm just sharing some nuggets from my heart today. And I believe that as you're hanging out with the Lord today on Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, I believe that the Holy Spirit will share some things with you as well. Glory to the Lord. Mm, hallelujah. You know, today, I was saw, I saw two colors. They were merging. They were blending together. Um, I saw red and orange, and they were, they were kind of like just dancing around each other, kind of coming together. And I thought, Lord, well, I know that the prophetic color for this year is is it's not red, it's not orange, but it's somehow both of them combined together. 
Now, this is what the Lord showed me. Okay, so this is a color for me. I'm not sure what color he's showing you. Um, but what I, uh, I was getting was these two colors coming together, red and orange. And I, I looked it up. And so what happens is when these two colors come together and blend, the color that it produces is a subcolor called vermilion. And I had just read just a few days ago that when the shepherd, when he is inspecting the sheep, when he got to every tenth sheep, he would take the shepherd's rod and dip it in vermilion and spread the vermilion color on that tenth lamb, on that tenth sheep. And that would be, every tenth one would be going to Jerusalem to be sacrificed. So the color vermilion also pertains to the Day of Atonement. Very, very interesting. So, I've got a number for you for the year 818. Be looking for that. You'll see the Holy Spirit bring it up. Actually, in a sense, you won't even have to look for it. It'll just pop up. And the Lord wants you to know He's going to bless you. He's going to take good care of you. And so many of the things that are mentioned in Deuteronomy chapter 8, you will see them happen in your life. The goodness of God, the blessing, the prosperity of God, really the overflow. I'm not just talking about getting your needs met. I'm talking about overflow. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is a real joy. It's a real joy to walk in it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So many things are beginning to open up right now. Numbers, colors, God's giving you something right now. Maybe it's not the same color He shared with me, but God's giving you a color right now. Hallelujah. Just Maybe it would help if you just close your eyes, lean into it, because colors have prophetic meaning. Okay, So whatever that color is, uh, do a little seeking, a little uh, searching, and you can find out the meaning of that. Uh, blue, for instance, would represent the prophetic, represents an open heaven. Okay, green represents new life. Red represents the, wi- the wisdom of God, the spirit of wisdom. Okay, yellow, the spirit of of understanding. So all of these different things begin to open up. There's things opening up right now in the prophetic. And so some of you, you may be getting a different number as well. Just let the Holy Spirit lift that up. It'll just begin to come up uh, to you and receive that by faith. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Other things are beginning to open up right now as well. Praise God. Well, I think I'll just leave you now because there's a flow. There's a a flow of revelation taking place right now. And I want to get this message out fast to you so that you can receive it and review it on the Day of Atonement. Praise God. I believe this is going to be a wonderful biblical new year for you. And you can break the fast. You can complete the 10 days of all at sunset on Wednesday, okay? When the sun goes down, uh, Jews all over the world, they'll hear a shofar blown. That means it's complete. Then it's a time for rejoicing. And tradition holds. And remember, the Jewish traditions, many uh, of the modern traditions, you know, you may not want to put that much weight on. But the traditions that go back hundreds, even thousands of years, uh, they're very reliable. And the rock-solid tradition the Jewish people is that your your year is determined how that new year is going to be is determined over the 10 days of all particularly on how you just kind of let the Lord deal with you on the day of atonement that will set the tone for the entire year and it's written in a book it's already written in a book on the day of atonement what's going to be flowing and taking place in your life in the coming year so just take some time Take some time to spend with the Lord, and I believe this is going to be a very, very uh, fruitful, fruitful 
bountiful year for you. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, bless your people. Let the spirit of revelation flow. Show them things they don't know. Let it float up. Let their let it float up out of their spirit. Let their mind be able to grab it. And then let them be able to interpret it by prophetic interpretation. We thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus, receive. Amen. <laughs> 